One thing I like most about Mark's gospel is the way that we see the life that Jesus lived. We see what it's like for Jesus to live uh, among his people. And uh, today we get to ask the question, what did 24 hours look like in the life of Jesus? Uh, In the last bit that we looked at last week, we saw Jesus in the synagogue in Capernaum up in Galilee, and he was teaching. There he drove out an impure spirit. And picking up the story today, after that Jesus went home with Peter and healed Peter's mother-in-law. That evening, Jesus healed many people. We're not told how many, uh, but the impression I get is quite a few, perhaps everyone in the community who needed healing. Then Jesus got up early the next morning to pray. That is what 24 hours looks like in the life of Jesus. And then he healed a man with leprosy. I'm not sure what you make of what Jesus fitted into a day. But I think Mark expects us to make something out of it because he makes it clear this did happen in a day. Uh, This is what the Messiah, the Son of God, did, or at least in the early stages of his ministry. Uh, If you look at what he did, uh, what the Gospels say he did in his last five days in Jerusalem before he was crucified, you'll see he was pretty busy there as well. So what does that say to us about God? Uh, We'll look at the details in a minute, but it's the shape of the day in the life of Jesus that I find fascinating. But it's not just a few events in a day in the life of Jesus, because there is real progression in what we see today. Jesus starts inside as a teacher, welcomed in the synagogue and able to impress his audience with his competence and authority. And Jesus ends up unable to go into town openly. And he has to stay outside in a lonely place. In effect, he swaps place with the ex-leper. When Jesus meets the man with leprosy, the leper is the outcast. In accordance with the law of Moses, a leper had to stay outside town. He was an outcast in society. He could not go to synagogue or temple. He could not touch or be touched by anyone. He may have gone for years without any physical warmth. Couldn't sit next to someone as you are doing here. He could not work, at least with other peoples, which meant that most lepers were beggars. Jesus heals the leper and restores him to a proper place in society. And in doing so, Jesus loses his place. Jesus becomes the social outcast, no longer able to teach in synagogues, having to keep his distance, stay in lonely places. Mark doesn't bash us over the head with this progression, but it's there for those with eyes to see. I told you last, or a couple of weeks ago that I love the way that Mark puts this gospel together. He's just so skillful. And I love the Jesus that we see here. My aim today is to look at the three short stories and see how Mark builds our understanding of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. And I hope 
that this will build your love for Jesus. I've always liked the story of Jesus healing Simon's mother-in-law. This Simon is also known as the Apostle Peter. Uh, I know we have a number of people who come from a Catholic background here, but the slightly perverse side of me likes the idea that a church that claims Peter as its first pope, with scant evidence, uh, but that's another story, uh, has as uh, a policy of clerical celibacy and has had that since the 12th century and has a married man as the first pope, as their first hero. It's uh, just a a wonderful little irony. Um, But it's Jesus' actions and the woman's response that I really like about this story. The woman has a fever. In those days, a fever was often seen as an illness in itself, unrelated to a virus or an infection or some other illness. But either way, Jesus was a man. And he was a Jew. And he wasn't a doctor. So what was he doing touching a sick woman? Touching her would make him ritually unclean and a risk of getting sick himself. But that does not concern Jesus. Presumably he could have healed the woman by word alone, but he took her hand and and helped her up. And there is kindness beyond the the healing. Jesus' mission on earth would not be deterred by cultural taboos or legalistic views of how to comply with the laws of Moses. Mark is building towards three stories we'll see in the next chapter uh, where we see Jesus above the law of Moses as only God could be. But Jesus does this, uh, Mark does this sort of just in stages as he builds his story. Besides his godlike power to heal and probably resist illness itself, we see Jesus' compassion. He went to Peter's mother immediately and he healed her immediately not three days bed rest not take it easy she was healed by Jesus's touch alone her temperature would have gone down her feeling of unwellness lethargy whatever it was that was reducing had gone and it was told as soon as the fever left her she began to wait on Jesus. Uh, you won't believe this, uh, or perhaps you will. Um, some people have used this to argue that the place of a woman is as a domestic servant. They say uh, that women do not belong in the pulpit or leading churches. Literally, they do. You have to be pretty desperate to try to turn this act of generous, pious devotion into an argument against women's ministry, but some do. Uh, Of course, we know that God describes himself as a helper, and Jesus said that he came to serve, not be served, and there were gifted and effective female ministers in the early church, as we see in Paul's letters. So we should see this as a genuine act of love and devotion, not as a weapon to be used against women. And we should ask ourselves if we are ready to serve Jesus so willingly, for for that is faith. 
Remember last week we saw four fishermen respond to Jesus' call. Will we? Uh, It's been a, a busy day for Jesus, but he doesn't call it quits for the night. He has taught in the synagogue, cast out a demon, healed a sick woman, taught through actions a lot about who he was, and found time to heal many more. No illness was too much for him. No demon too powerful. Again, Jesus did not want the impure spirits to talk about him, perhaps because he did not want to draw attention to himself, or perhaps because his audience would not yet be able to understand who Jesus was. Even after Jesus' death, his disciples were still trying to work out who Jesus was, so he builds the case for who he is step by step. The second story has Jesus getting up before first light and going to a solitary place to pray. We're not told what he prayed, but Mark obviously was able to find out that Jesus was praying. Remember, this is the first gospel written, and we see Mark making sure we know that Jesus is a human being. Jesus may have the power and authority of God, but he still thought it was a good idea to pray. Why? He had all the power to get and do what he wanted. He had the wisdom of God. He always knew what to do. Uh, It was unlikely he needed anything practical or any moral help. Uh, I guess we'll never know because we don't know what Jesus prayed. But I think we see here that prayer is not just about what we pray, but that prayer is relational and is a good thing even if we don't need something. Perhaps Jesus prayed thanks or praise. Perhaps he prayed for things he did not have time for given the limitations that his humanity had for him. But he still prayed. And I think we can take something from that. If Jesus prayed, so should we. At least praise and thanks. Once his friends found him, Jesus says one of the most important things we have recorded about him. He said, let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Mark has already given a summary of what he preached. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's the summary of Jesus' teaching. Jesus preached the kingdom, the kingdom of God. But it was... his purpose to show people what the kingdom was and how to get there. To get there by faith and love in action, by doing the will of the one who sent Jesus. Here at St John's we value love in action. We value our emergency relief program and the many practical aspects of Scar Tree Ministries and what each one of you does each day in your lives to live out Jesus' command that you love your neighbours. Each thing that you do each day is of value to God and it's of value to us. But we should also value preaching, and I think we do. For the good news of Jesus needs to be told. 
It is not only communicated by example. Actions sometimes speak louder than words, but words help explain those actions or provide the impetus for those actions. Hear about Jesus? Follow Jesus. Jesus, is, Jesus commissioned his followers to teach everyone they met to obey everything he had commanded to the end of this age. He says, teach, not preach, but preaching is a form of teaching. Preaching is never the main point of our service. Giving glory to God is the main point. But learning about God helps us to do that better. The more we know about God, the more we will love him. And then we come to the final story today. Again, we see Jesus' power and compassion. Uh, in the first century uh, Israel, the word we translate as leprosy could refer to a number of skin diseases, besides the disease we know today as one that attacks the nerve endings, which brings both great pain and susceptibility to injury and infection. But either way, this man with leprosy was in a desperate way. There was no cure. He would be a social outcast for the rest of his life, living outside the safety and social life of the village. He would be unable to go to temple or synagogue and would have been cut off from any physical touch, probably for years already and for the rest of his life. The man shows great faith he does not doubt that Jesus could make him clean. He trusted that Jesus had the power and authority to make him clean. He only asks if Jesus is willing to make him clean. And I don't think that that invites us to, to think that Jesus may choose between people he helps. We've already seen whoever came to him after it healed Peter's mother-in-law was healed. I think in this question or request from the man with leprosy, we see a combination of pious humility, hesitant to invite Jesus to even spare him a thought, and perhaps a, a concern for taking up Jesus' time. But Jesus does not hesitate. He does the unthinkable. Jesus reaches out and touches the man. That might be the first human touch he had had for years. And he says simply, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he was cured. Just, just think about that for a moment. Any rashes and scabs cleared up immediately. Nerve endings were restored. This is not the cumulative effect of a course of antibiotics or applications of creams and ointments. This is immediate. The healing of the man with leprosy is medically impossible, but not for the creator of the universe who made everything out of nothing. He can restore nerve endings by word. We may wonder if the man with leprosy or others who saw this put all this together, but they knew that Jesus was pretty special. But I'm sure that for many of us, the phrase that really stands out is 
filled with compassion. I guess if the only God going is a remote, impersonal, capricious God, as were the gods of many religions at that time, you'd take whatever you got. But here you have the Son of God with divine power and authority also showing unbelievable compassion. Caring for this man as a fellow human being, knowing his physical pain and social isolation, knowing his faith and responding with love. It brings tears to my eyes to think that this is our God. This is who we gather to worship each week. It's right that we should do that, isn't it? It means God is totally deserving of what we do. He's worthy of our praise and hope and worship and worthy of our love. You may wonder how Mark knew Jesus was filled with compassion. Well, probably because the Apostle Peter was the eyewitness and and knew Jesus well enough to see and know his uh, motivation and, and told Mark. And finally, today, we have Jesus' request for secrecy. Jesus sent the leper away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as testimony to them. Now, I'm not going to look into Jesus' relationship with the law of Moses today. Uh, We'll look at that later, but perhaps here... Jesus didn't want to provoke the Pharisees anymore. Anyway, we're told this ex-leper went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. As I said earlier, Jesus had become the outcast because his compassion had moved him to use his divine powers for good. Various theories exist for why Jesus commands silence, but I think the simplest is is probably the best, that uh, he knew he had a fair bit more to do before he would die on a cross. His supreme act of compassion, from which we get healing, restoration, and new life. He possibly had another two years of his ministry to go and he didn't want to escalate the conflict with the Pharisees and the people in power too quickly. But as I finish, do you see why I say that Mark is so skillful? In 350 words, that's all we had today, he has developed our idea of the power, authority and compassionate character of Jesus. He has added to our understanding of what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah, the Son of God, and he has started to show us what the kingdom of God will be like. It will be a place without fevers and leprosy, without social exclusion, a place of compassion and where Jesus rules in goodness and truth and where he will be happy to serve him. And you now have all that. So if you want to share that with someone, you've got it. 
350 words. And you know what the point of that is. And you can use that to help people. And in the meantime, you can just enjoy being someone who is loved by a God who is like Jesus. Well, let's stand and praise him now in our next song.